Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy will be preaching out of Acts chapter 8. At a glance, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian seems simple and straightforward. But when we take a deeper look, there is so much more. There is a varied cast of characters from different walks of life. You may have related to one or more of them at various times in your life. Have you been the outcast, the witness, or perhaps the helper? The truth is, we have all been one of these, and you may be in that place right now. Each is called by God to walk in a specific purpose. As he beckons you, will you allow fear or comfort to keep you from answering his call, or will you allow God to transform your life? Oh my gosh, this feels like New Jersey. We lived in New Jersey for a long time. This, is, this feels like New Jersey. Um, if you want to give online, you can go to mycoastal.org forward slash give. Everything's secure on there. If you Venmo, PayPal, the whole nine yards. If you have physical things that you want to give, a check or cash, whatnot, it's in the back uh, there. And I'm just so grateful for your generosity. God is just doing incredible things through you. Um, people's lives are being transformed. Uh, I cannot tell you how many people um, just in this last week, the, the deacons uh, schemed and schemed and schemed, and, and this week they gave away $16,000. And, and it, every time they give away more money and try and get the bank account to zero, uh, it just keeps on getting higher. So you guys are amazing, and uh, I'm getting some feedback, Matt. Fix it. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of rude. Uh, so I'm going to the prayer retreat to get healed from that. He fixed it. He fixed it. Just cut that guy off right there. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Uh, so some fun things are, uh, are happening in, in the life of our church. Uh, we're hiring a full-time children director. So if you know someone, uh, someone who's looking for the, uh, wants to be a full-time minister for our children, we're there as well. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but, uh, but Pastor Paul is, uh, is retiring next, next year. Next year. Calm down. Next year. Uh, allegedly, he has to go somewhere and do something. Uh, that's not this. And so, uh, so the elders voted uh, this last month to, we have approved our associate pastor job description, which basically says do what Paul does, um, but better. And uh, I, I don't know how we're going to find someone to replace him, but uh, so we're starting the hiring process uh, there. So uh, that'll be, it'll, it'll take a long time, uh, the, the rest of this year, and then all the way until probably next summer. Uh, to bring somebody in and move them and their family and all that kind of stuff. But we just want to let you know the process is beginning uh, for all those things, uh, and we're excited. And then also, um, the elders voted unanimously to give me a Ferrari. Uh, so it's a $1 matchbox car, and I'm excited about it. Uh, if you are new or visiting, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Let me t- tell you what we believe. We believe three things. This comes from Isaiah 61 that those who are uh, broken would be renewed, that those who are in bondage would be set free, that those who are in captive 
in captivity would be released, that those who are lame would walk. There's always hope beyond our brokenness. Every single one of us has a story uh, of being wrecked by life. We're going to see that today in today's passage. Um, and there's always hope. Always. We all, and the next thing we believe is that we get to trust in our risen Savior. God loves you. And the journey of faith is not performance. It's not religiosity. It's trust, which requires your vulnerability. And you saying, God, you know more than I do. Amen? Amen? Third, we get to bring restoration. So Janie gets to bring restoration this week to someone's life. So cool. We get to bring restoration to the people who who go to this church, the people who don't go to this church. Uh, We are a community of people dedicated uh, to loving each other back to life. And when we set our eyes on loving someone, it is spectacular to see the miracles that take place. So each one of these truths, hope and trust and restoration, has a choice attached to it. Can we declare this together? Let's declare this together. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. I saw a friend arrive to church a couple years back uh, riding a moped. And on that moped, he had a little sticker on it that said, Safety Third. (laughs) I've heard the phrase, Safety First, a thousand times. So I just saw this sticker and I just started to laugh. I mean, mopeds aren't safe. But that wasn't my friend's point. He didn't want a safe life, meaning... He wanted a life filled with meaning and adventure and significance. And joining Jesus in his resurrection work is definitely safety third. Loving people is safety third. Listening to Jesus and following his directions is safety third. Why? Because Jesus... Isn't this safe little teddy bear? Jesus is ferocious and beautiful and grand and bigger and smarter and more powerful than you could ever imagine. And he's so, so good. Yeah. So this passage is going to explain what I mean by safety third. Meaning, you're going to be very surprised about what Jesus cares about from this passage and what Jesus doesn't prioritize at all. And this event that happens today with Philip and this Ethiopian guy changes world history. I'm going to show you how. So, can we pray? Would that be okay? I know it's hot. I'll never forget going to Haiti 10 years ago. And we were going to Haiti and we were, fi- we were dedicating uh, the church in Haiti. They got a new roof. They'd been in existence for 20 years and they never had a roof. They got, to, they got, they got a roof that day. Their pews were um, two by sixes, two by six sawhorses. The children's sections was two by four sawhorses. 
Church lasted two and a half hours. It was 104 degrees and 100% humidity, which means it was raining and then not raining and raining and not raining. So we can do this. Amen? Amen? And if you're at home in some form of air conditioning, God bless you. We love you. And you can do this as well. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we speak to our own souls right now. We say, awaken, O my soul. We bind up and mute the enemy that would be seeking to distract, to rob, kill, or destroy what you have planned for us in this moment. Now, in Jesus' name, do you all agree? Renew our armor, protect this space, and we put the cross of Christ between us and anything or anyone else that would be seeking to impede or disrupt what you're doing, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and honor you and praise you. You are amazing. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So we're picking up right where we left off last week. The Holy Spirit tells Philip to head to Samaria. That was last week. He goes to Bakersfield. Remember that? And immediately Philip starts loving and helping and praying for people that nobody even in Bakersfield loved or helped. And he's praying for people and loving them and miracles are happening. And the local miracle worker, his name's Simon the sorcerer, he has a shop. He's doing really well for himself. Everybody says that guy's great. He's amazed at what is happening through Philip. He gives his life to Christ, and then he quickly learned that you can't buy the Holy Spirit. That was last week. So two weeks ago, Stephen is killed for his faith because he says God doesn't live in a box. Last week, Simon the sorcerer learns that the Holy Spirit um, can't be bought or managed. And so the old religious rules of how you would interact with God, I will go to God um, at this location and I will buy my, my approval with my, with my money, that old religious equation doesn't work anymore. That's what the Holy Spirit is showing the early church and the world. Are you picking up what Luke is putting down in the book of Acts? Say yes. yes. Good. Okay, great. So Peter and John and Philip are all blessing and praying for somebody, and then something amazing happens. Let's read together Acts chapter 8, verse 26, out loud. Read it with me. Belt it out. Here we go. Are you ready? As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. We read this and think, okay, cool, an angel. Yeah, angels are awesome, right? But I guarantee you, if a 17-foot-tall angel of the Lord showed up to you and said, do something, the first thing that you would do is that you would do something in your pants, and then, and then you would consider obeying or not, okay? Um, but notice what, angel, what the angel says. Philip is north in Bakersfield, and then, he, and then the angels lets of the Lord says, I want you to go back to where you were kicked out of and then head south, okay? And that doesn't make any, any other sense. There's plenty of other disciples still in Jerusalem. Why doesn't the angel of the Lord 
go and ask them. They're geographically closer. Well, maybe Jesus did. Maybe he asked all of them, hey, go to Gaza. And they were like, nah. It's Tuesday. It's too hot. Um, no? What, Jesus? I, who knows what happened? But the Greek here is very specific that as soon as the angel of the Lord tells Philip what to do, Philip is praying, hanging out with Peter and John. God shows up, tells him what to do, and he's out. Gone. Immediately obeys. No hesitation. Safety third. Jesus, you want me to pass through a city that you just kicked me out of? I can do that. Jesus, you want me to travel on a hot, unshaded, and dusty road in mid-June? I can do that. Jesus is going to ask you to do things all the time that do not make sense to you. Oh, you want me to forgive a person who really isn't sorry and hasn't really changed? Now, Jesus isn't asking you to trust them. He's just asking you to stop judging the H-E double hockey sticks out of them. Can you do that? Or will you delay? Oh, Jesus, you want me to be generous even when I don't feel like I have enough? Oh, Jesus, you want me to risk vulnerability even though I thought I, don't, uh, I might not be understood? Oh, Jesus, you want me to reach out to that person even if I'll re be rejected or judged? What's your answer? Well, we know what Philip does. Verse 27. Are you ready? Read with me. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. Okay, wait, what? It's not just a guy walking down the road with a placard around his neck that says treasurer of Ethiopia. Any secretary of the treasury, right, with royal seals and signets that can make international deals doesn't travel alone. They have an entourage. Yes? Secret service agents, armored vehicles, the whole nine yards. Okay? So... He met the treasure of Ethiopia. Keep on reading with me. A eunuch. Do you know what that is? A eunuch. Someone who, a man who has lost something very precious to him. Involuntarily. You stopped him. Oh my gosh. He's whispering snip snip for those of you who are under online. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he started out, he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, or Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. This would be, uh, um, do you remember Elizabeth Taylor when she was Cleopatra, right? This is her like great granddaughter. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Hmm. And he was now returning, seated in his carriage. The word for carriage there could also be translated as um, uh, chariot, a.k.a. Uh, M M1 Abrams tank. But if you're seated in the tank, it's probably a large armored personnel carrier. Does that make sense? Something that a dignitary would travel through. Now they have, you know, bulletproof limos and stuff like that. Back in the day, it was an armored large chariot. He's sitting there. 
and he's reading aloud. Read this with me. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Wow. Okay, so Philip obeys God, right? He's starting out. He reaches this road. He's walking along the road, literally walking on the road. And then all of a sudden, soldiers start walking by. And then chariots start walk, or going by. And he's like, whoa. And then he sees this massive chariot with this guy sitting there. And clearly, all of the soldiers and all of the people there are Ethiopian. He can see their signs, their signet. He sees the color of their skin, the whole nine yards. And then in, in the middle of this incredible armored entourage is a guy sitting on top of the tank, shaded, covered, and he has a scroll, and he's reading from that scroll, okay? And Philip hears him reading Hebrew, Scripture specifically. A black man, an Ethiopian, is reading Hebrew. An Ethiopian, not a Jew, has spent an enormous amount of money on a scroll. Do you know what a scroll is? Right? It would be like calfskin or vellum. It'd be it, incredibly expensive. And it's rolled out. The book of Isaiah, it is hundreds of feet long, right? And it's hand, hand copied, okay? And then rolled up. It's an, it's an enormous and profoundly expensive undertaking. Think... If you want to buy the prophet, scroll of the prophet Isaiah, you're spending five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars on this piece, on, on, on this one scroll. And this black Ethiopian secretary of the treasury has spent that much money on his own scroll. He's a government official. What does that mean? Why is he a eunuch? Well, parents in the ancient Near East their firstborn, maybe secondborn child would stay within the family business. But if they had a lot of kids, third and fourth kids, they'd go off to military service, maybe priestly service, or maybe government service. And when you sent those kids off, you didn't have to pay for them anymore. You didn't have to feed them anymore. Most families didn't have a lot of money when they had seven or eight kids. They couldn't feed the last three or four. And so they would send them into some sort of service where that child's education and food and lodging would be paid for. It's an economic necessity. Does that make sense? Well, if you gave your child to the government, the government, in this case, would say, wow, here's a bright kid, boy, so we're going to make sure that he's never tempted by women in his entire life. He can never be blackmailed for this in his entire life. And it's a sign that he will forever be in government service and so he's mutilated as a child. No child, not a choice of his own. It happens to him. He has a world-class education. Now, this is really important. He's been mutilated, but he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. worship. And going to Jerusalem to worship, he would have tried to enter the temple, and, he would have, and, and they would have asked him a series of questions. And one of the questions would have been, according to the book of Leviticus, have you been mutilated in your body? And he would have had to say, yes. And you know what the rabbis would have done? You can't come in church. The eunuch would have said, well, can I get baptized? Absolutely not. Will you pray for me? No. Will you bless me? No, I cannot touch you. 
Can I give my offering? Yes, with all of the other unclean Gentiles. Can I enter into worship at all? No, you are barred from entry. At this point, if you were that man and you'd wanted to know who God is and you felt the Holy Spirit saying, go to church, go to church, and you wanted to know who this Jesus is, you wanted to know who this Messiah was, you wanted to know who God was, and somebody put their hand in front of your face and said, you can't come in because of what's been done to you or how you are right now. There are so many people that have had that experience and they just stopped coming to church. They get mad and frustrated and angry with God. They don't feel loved and they're gone. They're your friends. They're your family members. They're your brothers and sisters. They're your parents. The people that you love deeply and that you care about that aren't here right now. Amen? But this guy, he doesn't write off God. Instead, he, he wants to know God for the fulfillment of his own soul. He didn't pity himself by what had been done to him. The guy decided to excel at his education, and so this Ethiopian rose to the very, very, very top of his profession. He served royalty. He was on the royal court, fabulously wealthy. He had everything that he ever wanted. Isn't that your dream? To have all the money and all the things and all the success and all the, all the good life. He had it all. And the emptiness that he experienced led him to say, God, I, I must need more. And that's why he started pursuing God. So there on this dusty road under the hot summer sun, way more humid than it is right now, God speaks to Philip again. Are you ready? This is Philip's Tiananmen Square moment. Verse 29. The whole, read it with me, loud. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over. Hey, guys, hey, um, go ahead and walk next to that um, tank. Because it works out well when civilians get in front of tanks or besides tanks or are in an active, like, war zone. Would you do that? Would you ever, ever do that? I'll never forget the only time I've ever seen an active president of the United States. I wasn't even in this country. I was in Ireland. I was in Ireland and Bill Clinton, it was the last, like, I don't know, three months of his, of his tenure. And he and Hillary had gone to Ireland to celebrate the peace talks and to tie one off and to do all the things. And so, and there I was in Dublin and I'm seeing this massive motorcade and I'm trying to get close to the motorcade, right, to see who it is. Because I, then I see American flags, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, who is it? And I'm asking who it is. I'm like, who's coming here? And they're like, you don't know. It's your own man, right? <laughs> it's the president of the United States. It's Bill Clinton. He's right there. And, I'm like, and so I'm pressing in, and as I'm pressing in to get close to the motorcade, you know what all the police are doing? They're pushing back. What if God, in his infinite wisdom, told you, hop the fence, and walk next to the motorcade, see what happens. What would you do? You know what, if you told your spouse what you were planning on doing, the spouse would be like, baby, we need to up those meds right now. Like, I don't know what, like, let's go. 
you been day drinking again? This is not a good idea. Like, what is happening, right? And so what did Philip do? Are you ready? Read this really loud. Verse 30. Philip ran over. Ha! Huh. Can I ask you a question? Are you running towards God right now in your life? Are you running to obey? Or does Jesus have to drag you? Do you realize that your delay doesn't just impact you? I think we do that as people. He's like, you know what? God is telling me what to do, and it's not that big of a deal. I'll just delay. I'll just say, no, not yet. Mm, no thanks. Not this time. I'll just entertain that anger, frustration, resentment, lust, greed, sloth, entitlement. Just one more day. It's not that big of a deal. We think it only affects me. Wrong. It doesn't. Jesus wants you running towards him because he has a good plan to use you to bless other people and timing matters. You can miss the motorcade. So Philip runs and hears something amazing. Verse 30, he heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah and Philip looking at the man sitting on top of the armored personnel carrier trying not to get stabbed by the soldier who was chasing him with a sword said, do you understand what you're reading? Now, the Ethiopians reading scripture out loud, which all Jews do even to this day. By the way, when you read scripture, read it out loud. You know why? You ever notice what happens to you when you read scripture in your head? You just read it? I mean, instantly, right? If you ever wanted proof that spiritual warfare and demonic influence on Christians is real, try watching Netflix. You will stay awake for days. Try reading scripture. You will instantly be distracted or put to sleep. Pick up any other magazine, any other book. You'll be fine for hours. Pick up God's word. You will instantly be distracted and, and put to sleep. So this Ethiopian's reading out loud, which makes no sense for the Ethiopian to do. What would his soldiers and servants and attendants think? He doesn't care. He's trying to be faithful to figure it out. Philip asked a great question. Do you understand? Listen, a lot of people see Jesus and they don't understand him even though they really want to. Why? Here's why. Because themselves or their loved ones have been hurt brutalized, betrayed, wounded by life. No one escapes this world alive. No one escapes this world undamaged. And sometimes we go near a church or near Christians and when they receive judgment and anger and condemnation, they feel like, man, I really like that Jesus, but I... I don't want to be barred entry and shamed for how I've been broken. And the church is famous for doing this. Well, you swear too much. You have too, too many tattoos. You drink too much. You smoke. You had sex outside of marriage. You're gay. You don't vote right. You don't dress right. You're the wrong color, the wrong class, the wrong kind of person. And all these people really want to know Jesus. And the church traditionally has said, no, not you. Come back when you've fixed yourself. 
I love our church. I love our church. Because we don't do that. I never want to be a church that does that. Everybody is welcome through these doors. Everybody. We all got areas of brokenness in our lives. There's always hope. What is it? Hope beyond our brokenness. Always. God wants you to help people understand His heart. And you do that by coming alongside them, not for, by waiting for them to come to you. Does that make sense? You do that through love, not through demands of perfection or performance. You and I are never, ever, ever asked to be sin managers. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because the truth is, is that we've all been broken and mutilated by life. We've all struggled and been terribly wounded. In this world, and the enemy of our souls, in our own choices, it, it harms and deforms it, uh, us all. So many of us, we've been driving to succeed at life, and, and, and to succeed almost requires us to be deformed in our relationships. We've suffered that, haven't we? This world, we want to be accepted and loved so bad, and, and it says, the world says you have to do this and this and this, and it deforms who we are and wounds who we are in order to be accepted, and we just hope that someone would love us if we're just the way the world says we're supposed to be, and, and then it doesn't work out, and we're broken or betrayed, and, and then we're deformed and then wounded all at the same time. I know you. Your heart is groaning for your spouse. Your heart is groaning for your kids. Your heart is groaning for your brother or your sister who doesn't know Jesus. Your heart is groaning for your grandchildren because you're wondering, oh my gosh, I, I don't want them to be wrecked by this world. They will be. They are. And every single person on this planet needs someone to walk alongside them and help them understand who God is. That's why you're here. Someone did that for you. Verse 31, the Ethiopian replied, how can I unless someone, the word is guide there as well. It's the same word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit, that he is our guide or our teacher, our instructor. The Holy Spirit will guide you, will instruct you as to what God's heart is really like. And I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will also send a person in your life to do that. Maybe you need a guide right now. Maybe you're the guide for somebody else right now. Philip then shows us how guide work is done well. So the passage of Scripture, verse 32, the passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Read verse 33 with me. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Whoa. That's the passage that Philip is reading out loud. Verse 34, this is a heartbreaking question. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? The last five times that Philip has referred to this man, it hasn't been the, the eunuch. It's either been the Ethiopian or the man. 
Here, Luke, the, the author of this story, uses this phrase, the eunuch on purpose. Why? We'll go back to the passage again. Next slide, Ron. Here's the passage. The eunuch is wondering if Isaiah is talking about the eunuch. Because the eunuch was led like a sheep to the slaughter when he was a little boy. He had no choice about what was going to happen to him, and he was absolutely slaughtered. He was silent. He never had a voice to say, I don't want to do this. Verse 33, he was humiliated. Yeah. And received no justice. No one ever said to him, sorry. They just altered his life physically and then moved on. And who can speak of his descendants? Yeah, he's never going to have kids. He's never going to have a family. Wasn't his choice. It just happened to him. And the eunuch is going with tears in his eyes. Oh my gosh, is Isaiah talking about me or someone else? And Philip can read the pain in the man's eyes. He can see it all laid out before him. And so Philip guides him to the gospel and tells him about Jesus. Verse 35, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And I can just imagine what Philip said. Brother, I know you've been mutilated and it wasn't your choice. Jesus was mutilated too on the cross. His body was ravaged and it wasn't his choice. But it was Jesus' choice to endure that pain for your healing, for your salvation, and for your eternity. Brother, I know you've been humiliated. I want you to know that Jesus was humiliated, hung naked on that cross, falsely condemned and accused, so he could protect you and honor you and love you now and for all eternity. Brother, I know that you were humiliated and then mutilated so that you could serve royalty. And I want you to know that royalty, the king of kings, chose to be mutilated and humiliated for you. Brother, I know that you've been barred from God's presence at the temple. And I'm here because Jesus, who is God, has sent me to you. Jesus doesn't wait for you to get better before you get to be in his presence. Jesus is coming to you right now just as you are so that his very presence can heal you. He's not embarrassed by you. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't say, get your life together and come to me. He comes to you. Brother, I know you're never going to have a family, but there's another family you can be a part of. It's called the family of God. And this family is one is defined by love. And so I get to love you into this family. And then you get to love other people's into the family of God. And people will say, this Ethiopian was my spiritual father. And I'm in heaven because of him. And your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. And there in this armored personnel carrier, in this extravagant chariot, the Ethiopian man said yes to Jesus. The secretary of the treasury for the nation, the kingdom, the empire that covered all of North Africa at that time said yes to Jesus. And his life was forever changed. And so was the destiny of Ethiopia. This man established the Ethiopian church, which has been in existence for 2,000 plus years because of this guy. Why? Safety third. 
Safety third. Because Philip listened, and then he got into a tank. Because the Ethiopian man listened to God and said, I'm going to spend a lot of money trying to figure out who God is, and I'm not going to let judgmental people prevent me from knowing who God is. Safety third. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water. I love it. Literally, it's like a watering hole. So there's other people there. They're drinking. Their animals are drinking. Everybody's going to stop. You know, there's a little cantina. You know, there's a chevron. You know, but it's there, right? Okay, it's a watering hole. It's Kettleman City. Does that make sense? Right? And the water is like a dollar and a half more per gallon than it is anywhere else because it's in the middle of nowhere. Okay? And I love it. And, Phil, and the Ethiopian says this. Read with me. Ready? Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? If the king of kings was mutilated, God himself was mutilated, that means that he's no longer unclean, which means that I'm no longer unclean, which means maybe... I could belong. Do you think, Philip, you could baptize me? And Philip's like, absolutely. I'm here to tell you that the king of kings was crushed for you and mutilated for you. Nothing that has happened to you in your life separates you from the love of God. <laughs> Nothing. No decision that you're making right now, no habit that you're entertaining, no thing that you you know that you need to deal with, that still does not separate you from the love of God. You are not toxic because of it. God welcomes you into his presence. Always, always, always. So the soldiers are watching and the servants are watching and those drinking in the watering hole are watching. And they're all watching the secretary of the treasury be baptized by Philip. It's amazing. I don't know, maybe you're the Ethiopian in the story. I want you to know that, that you're loved and welcomed right now. You don't, have to, you don't have to hide anymore. Maybe you're one of the friends of the Ethiopians or the colleagues in the story. Maybe you've seen the church slam the door shut on your friends because whatever's going on in their life. I want you to know that everybody's welcome in this church. That doesn't mean that we agree with everything that you're doing because y'all are sinners. <laughs> but everybody's welcome. Does that make sense? Yes. And we're here to love each other. That's what we're called to do. Man, not manage each other's sins, but to love each other into healing and wholeness and freedom. Maybe, maybe you're Philip in this story. God has you loving people outside of this church, and I'm here to tell you, keep on going. You, you, you don't even know how much of world history you're going to change but you will make a difference in people's lives and it will impact generation after generation after generation. Because Tim Dearborn loved my mom. And there's this guy in the 70s who just loved a single mom. He and his wife loved a single mom. 
And then our, their kids went with me to youth group, and Allison Dearborn and I went to youth group together, and she loved me when I felt totally rejected, was kind to me and a friend to me all throughout high school. And now I'm here. So when Tim Dearborn goes to heaven, you are part of his story. And you have that impact on people's lives too. Maybe. Maybe God has asked you to walk those roads, to love those peoples, and you said, no. Or, not yet. There's a game on. I'm here to say to you, even if your answer has been no, or even if you've resisted God, that doesn't disqualify you from saying yes now. You can say yes now. God wants to use you now. He does. Verse 39, I love this. When Philip came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord... Wait, wait, read it again. Read it again, verse 39. You're going to love this. Ready? Here we go. Are you ready? When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Huh? Keep on reading. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Hmm. Meanwhile, um, Philip found himself other, at the town of Azotus. That's a commercial fishing village 75 miles northwest of where he is at that point. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to another pagan town called Caesarea. Say what? What the heck is this? Are you kidding me? Scotty beamed him up? He disapparated? That's a Harry Potter reference. Your grandchildren need you to know what that means. He disapparated, right? He disappeared. Right? He, you know, gone. What? Other translations be like, oh, and then Philip slipped quietly away. You could, you could legitimately read that, right? Like the Ethiopian came out of the water, and everybody's all, way to go. And Philip's like, do, 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 right? And then he's like, he goes somewhere else. But in the Greek, it also can legitimately mean Philip just like, gone right? He disappeared and then reappeared somewhere else. Like that angel of the Lord took him on a ride. Now check this out. In this story, Luke uses a little less than 20 words to describe that, oh no, sorry, two words snatched away to describe an absolutely mind-blowing, miraculous event of someone disappearing and then reappearing somewhere else. Okay? We know that this physically can happen in submolecular biology, but I, I don't think anybody here has regularly sees this on uh, in a regular occasion unless you want your teenager to do a chore. Then they're gone, right? And then they appear somewhere else miraculously. We don't know how it happens, but that's what they do. We got this crazy miracle story, and Luke spends two, two, two words on it, snatched away. Why? I'll end with this thought. This isn't the bigger miracle. 
the biggest miracle is that a man who had been barred from church his entire life but wanted to know God was riding down a road and God sent someone to him and he gave his life to Jesus because he was loved right where he was. That's the miracle. And it changed world history. And God is asking you right now who are the people in your life that you have to love. You don't have to manage their sin. You don't have to convince them of anything. All you get to do is just love them well. Play the long game. Love them. God will change their lives. I guarantee you. Would you be willing to say yes today? Let's pray. God, thank you for my friends who would be willing to sit in this unair-conditioned, very humid sanctuary. God, there, there is a hunger in the hearts of my friends to know you, to be used by you. And we all have people in our lives, Jesus, that we're just desperate for them to know you. We're desperate for them to be healed, for their bodies and their minds and their spirits to be restored. God, our, our prayer for them is that you would hold on to them. You would save them. And Jesus will go. We'll be the people who love them. No strings attached, no agenda. We'll just love them. And God, I pray for every single person here, online, in this place. We hide the places of our mutilation. We pretend that we're fine. I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would show each one of them in that secret, tender, broken spot. Your love has not changed. Your acceptance has not changed. You've never wavered in choosing them and loving them. And that today would be a freedom day. So Jesus, we reject that lie that we're unloved and unwanted because of what's happened to us. We trust you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. And thank you for the people you've sent in our lives to love us back to life. We're so grateful for them, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you stand for the benediction? <laughs> if you would like prayer, please come forward. If you're online and you want prayer and you're on the live stream, you can ask and our team will pray for you right, right now. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, that's his delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. 
We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.